What's going on, everybody? My name is Moore Milo. And I'm Ross Inarelli. And this is the Market Today podcast with Ross and Moore. And thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 115. Uh, for those of you that have, are new here, what we like to do is we read a book every single week, something having to do with business, psychology, philosophy, one of the E's. And we, we read them and we, we review them and talk about them. And before we get into the book, we usually talk about some current events, what's going on in the world, what's happening, uh, and, and just kind of going down the rabbit hole of what financial markets look like in 2022, uh, with 2022 coming around the corner. So, you know, it's interesting, but right before we jumped on the podcast, me and Ross were having an interesting conversation. Uh, and of course, it has to do with Tesla, what's new. Um, always something in the, in the high, in the, what is it, in the headlights or headlines or whatever with, uh, I'm not a newscaster, but, uh, (laughs) in the headlines with Tesla always doing something, uh, pretty outrageous. And, uh, you know, it just, it was an interesting conversation because me and Ross were kind of getting into, um, you know, how we look at trading and, and investing and purchasing, you know, stocks and, and, funds and all sorts of fun things like that and it was really interesting to to just make the point that nothing beats time right like that the point that nothing beats time is so incredible because it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have but if you consistently do something over a long period of time you have the ability to truly create massive success in anything that you do, honestly, like working out, your day job, you know, your passions in life, investing, you know, all these things. So it's just it's just interesting because it's like, you know, shoot, I could have, you know, I remember in college, in, I was in community college, and I had this friend, and I think his name was Caesar or something. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've talked to this human being, and we would always talk business. Um, and, and he was, his dad was like a carpenter or something. And, 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 you know, he was able to just have this interesting perspective on life from a young age as a, you know, with an immigrant father that, you know, had a, a carpentry business and, you know, had to build a life and, and, you know, stocks was something that he got into at a really young age, something that I didn't necessarily do. My parents were never really into the stock markets, uh, or the, the financial markets more correctly in the stock market. Uh, so I didn't really know about trading and investing and doing all these things. And I remember in community college, we were sitting in his car one day and he's like, more, you need to buy the stock buy Tesla. It's $17 a share. And I was just like, mm, I don't know the stock market, who knows what's going on with the stock market, blah, 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 blah. And now today, you know, after a split, you know, where we rolled up to what? $2,200 a share split five ways just within eight, ten months ago, back up to $1,200 a share. Like, it's astounding. It's just astounding what this company is capable of doing with absolutely, like, to, to a certain extent, zero real-world reasoning behind it other than hype, incredible technology, and a, a leader for the ages. And I don't know, Ross, like, it blows my mind, man. I, well, this is a trillion-dollar company that, you know, sells a couple hundred thousand cars a year. Like, how? 
Yeah, you know, and I was actually having this convo with someone the other day too. I look at Tesla different now than just automotive. And I have for a while. Because obviously automotive is what got kind of more and I's attention. And for full transparency, I leased a Tesla almost two years ago at this point. And I knew at the moment I got that car, I was like, this is different. This is really special, which for me was weird because like more knows, like we worked in dealerships. We are, you know, gearheads. We like to hear the sound of an engine. We always want to make sure we had the loud exhaust, all the different things we were buying sport models. And then to go to a little model three, that's just quiet and really basic and stuff that I used to honestly rag on when I would compete against them as far as selling. Um, it's different and it really takes that kind of smartphone feel where the shell is what it is. Like it's it's nothing crazy, but the software. I mean, I get updates all the time. I told more. I drove from his house in Irvine up to LA um, late one night and I literally got on the freeway. I did two clicks with the right stick, went on autopilot and it just took me home. You know, granted, I have to switch freeways, but the fact that I don't have to do gas or brake or even steer or do much, granted, I'm paying attention, was really relaxing. Like, when you have, like, sports radio on or something, like, really interesting. But to kind of go back to your point, I look at where Tesla's at, right? And you say it could be hype and it could be a lot of different things. The main reason I think Tesla's at this price point, one, I think people believe in Elon. I think they're seeing what he's doing with his other companies, and there's a belief in that leadership the other thing, too, is, and Tesla has no problem in saying it, they have a supply issue. They don't have a demand issue. They continuously cannot find a way to pump out cars fast enough. But what they do is they're building such a good infrastructure to be able to build faster and faster. Like one example, like more, you know how there's so many miles worth of cable in an average car. Tesla was able to reduce that number by like 10x. And from a production standpoint, it speeds things up. They no longer do welding in the traditional sense that you see a lot of automakers do. Even for the new Model Y, I believe it's going to be almost like a giant shell that just comes together. It's, just, it's almost like a giant mold. So they're doing things that are going to drastically reduce the production cost and time that it's almost too big for some of the other automakers to be able to mimic. Now, with that, again, we talk about autopilot. And granted, yes, whoever hits this first, it looks like they're in the lead because every one of their cars that uses autopilot is feeding this giant brain back at Tesla to be able to continuously evolve and get better. But you just think about that. They have this price and we're saying, all right, they're, they're not selling much, but why is it worth this much? And I look and I say, well, if they could sell more, they would because the demand is there. They're going to be able to produce things cheaper and quicker. SpaceX has already proven that they can do this easily when they look at compared to NASA. We haven't even talked about the full self-driving really growing into its own thing and how strong just the ability for a company to have an AI like that and be able to, re able to repurpose something that can learn is going to be powerful. But the other thing, too, more that I think everyone forgets, Tesla's really an electric company. Not a car company. They're an electric company. They do your battery. They'll do your solar panel. They'll do all of your electricity if you'll allow them. And why that's big is we've seen over the last year there were issues down in Texas. There's always problems now with our existing infrastructure on electricity. The power grids just can't hold it. The electrical wires are over capacity at this point. That's why you have these problems causing wildfires. And it's a point where you can't keep building more power lines. It costs too much as far as infrastructure, but it's a lot in land. That's one of the biggest things with these power lines is the land that it takes up. 
But what you can do is easily come out to someone's house, put a panel on there, and they become their own power plant, for lack of a better term. They can use it themselves. If the power goes down, they still have it, and they can also feed extra back to the grid. So we don't need traditional power plants if everyone in that community is generating their own power. So once we start cranking that up, and we know that you know a lot of these administrations are really focusing on green energy and biodegradability and things like that, this is really where you're going to see probably a massive leap once that technology really hits that sweet spot. And Tesla's really not turned that on too high. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I think that once you really multiply what's happening in the world and, and really have that vertical integration, right? Like he really does have a certain level of vertical integration when it comes to uh, his business and all of the, in the the different segments of it, right? Like being able to control that process from where the energy comes from to how it's being used uh, and being involved in something so essential as electricity, right? That really just buries his the, the value proposition, right? Because if someone chooses to use him for anything, they're connected so deeply into their lives, right? Like electricity, everything is, is, electricity is everything, right? At the end of the day, you, we couldn't function in modern society without electricity, right? We couldn't function without energy in one way or another. So I think it's just really interesting how he's been able to really take a, 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 almost a monopoly. Well, really it's, it's vertical integration, right? It's having control over the whole process, um, when it comes to one of the resources that we need most in life. So it's, it's just, it's, it's really interesting to watch and it's kind of mind blowing and it kind of doesn't make sense. And I'm sure that it'll level out a little bit and then continue to grow as we move on with, you know, the world and, you know, things, but, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch what one person, one incredible leader can create with, you know, hard work and a good idea it's pretty cool really is and like i said i think that's why a lot of people invest because they believe in elon like if you look every time you know electric cars now are obvious right like of course these will work of course we need them like when he started electric cars were boring they were slow there was no infrastructure where were you going to charge how can you get anywhere so he's continuously been the first and he keeps succeeding and he's that what it's doing is he's really creating a big lead between him and the competitors. Now, like you said, obviously these gaps will slow up, but his ability to be a forward thinker, I think is pushing it. And I talked about AI for a moment, like think of SpaceX, his other company, that rocket that they launched to the uh, International Space Station with the, the astronauts was completely done by autopilot. The thing took off, detached from its other parts, and then attached going, what, 100,000 miles an hour kind of thing, circling the Earth connecting with the u.s or international space station like if they can do that they can get a car to turn through you know these streets like i've been watching they keep releasing betas for the full self-driving where like you can it'll take you through the streets more like red light stop signs all of that bikers all of it they they keep releasing betas and people are still testing them and they record them and put them on youtube and it's getting creepily good like the reason it's obviously not out is because you know, it has to be safer than 99.99 because if there's one accident, you know what that's going to do to the fucking news cycle, you know? So it's it's going to be really interesting 
to see, but I think it's it's just, you know, you're investing in tech in another sense. You know, it's whether it be cars or anything, I think you're just looking at electrifying. I think that as they be get better with their batteries and they there'll probably be a point where Tesla's the the number one source for batteries for other car makers. You know, like they they still have a 300 300 mile battery and a lot of other electric cars don't have that. They did that like 8 years ago with the Model S. Like they have so many ways and they're getting such good talent. You know, their hiring pool is insane right now. So it is exciting. It's fun to watch. Um, you know, and it's exciting to see where the entire stock market is going and just keeping an eye on different things. So um, definitely an interesting time to, to be alive. No doubt. And with that being said, let's go ahead and move into the book for the week. Uh, so this week we read a book called Influence by Dan Locke. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he's a big like influencer or whatever and a business person. And, um, you know, actually, I really enjoyed the book this week. Uh, it was short and sweet. It was a four hour audio book, give or take. Um, it was all about the 47 forbidden psychological tactics you can use to motivate, influence, and persuade your prospects. And uh, it delivered. I mean, I, I think that he really did bring 47 specific opportunities to create influence with people that you can potentially do business with. And I thought it was valuable. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts? I would agree as well. I thought, you know, it's a very, um, as far as structure of a book goes, probably the easiest you could think of. Like, let me just go through a giant list. But that list did bring value. Like I said, good amount of different things here. Everything from, you know, being super honest and giving back. And I know one of them was, you know, don't really get too too bogged down in the details and the specifics. Um, but it was good. I would say the one thing that threw me off a little bit, um, I, I'm a fan of Dan Locke. I follow Dan Locke on, on social. Um but he chose to read this book and narrate this book himself, which I appreciate. But his accent sometimes gets a little difficult, um, especially over the course of like a four-hour period. But as far as content, I thought it was great. Yeah, there's no doubt that him reading the book was an oversight and probably not the best idea. But I get where he was coming from and why he did it. And mad respect. But yeah, they should have gotten someone else to read it. It would have been a better read. But what I will say is he really did deliver on many, many subjects, and I think the most unique of which was, in my opinion, guilt. Um, I loved that he brought that up because it's such a powerful emotion. It's such a huge motivator and influencer for anybody to do anything. And, uh, you know, I've never heard anyone bold enough to just be like, yeah, straight up, guilt is a wonderful way to motivate and influence people to do business with you. And obviously, you know, he was very clear about not wanting to make it, you know, a sleazy, gross, you know, guilty kind of situation. But kind of positioning yourself in a place where you can create that feeling of guilt without being the party that points it out and providing the solution up front preemptively to the guilt problem. Which I thought was clever. I thought it was really a wonderful way to look at things and probably something that I might consider looking at when, when I do my me do messaging for certain things. Um, and how can you build that guilt into, uh, into a process but only in, like a, in, a, in a productive way, right? And it was very interesting. I found that rather, rather interesting. Was there one in particular, Ross, that stood out for you as like a – a tip that you think you'll take moving forward and utilize? 
There were two, and I think the first one for me is something we've heard before, but, you know, the way that you give something, you know, you don't always have to give something and expect something in return. If you can give something kind of like free and clear, no strings attached, it's way more likely for someone to want to reciprocate that. Um, so even something, I think they said as simple as saying, you know, this gift is yours to keep. Something very small, and we, you know, we hear this from Gary Vee and some other people as well, um, but just the, the power of giving without wanting or looking for something in return, I think can really bring a lot of value. The other thing um, that they talked about was, I don't remember the exact thing, but it talked about um, positioning like your your sale or your offer with like the maximum, it was like maximum guarantees or things like that. Like you're overly protecting the consumer's risk by having like extended guarantees, better than 100%, free trial periods, introductory periods, like no obligation stuff, like just anything to make the client feel or the customer, I guess in this sense, feel more secure in their purchase. And I think for me, this makes me think of uh, go to gym more where, you know, if it's a new product, you know, if they don't like the, the quality of the shirts or things like that, like they can send it back completely free. We understand, you know, like make, taking that initial fear of we don't know your brand. So that trust factor isn't really there. Build up the trust in another way that you can control. You know what I mean? Because let's be real. If someone's returning your product all the time and everyone's saying that it's a bad quality product, well, you have a bad quality product, you know, like simple as that. The guarantee's not screwing you. The product is. Um, but I think that was an interesting thought, and especially in a time of online sales where we've slowly gotten more used to buying things online, we don't really get scared. But I think for smaller brands looking to start out, that kind of having a guarantee or an ability to try or test or something um, is a really kind of powerful thought that I'm kind of interested to test out. Yeah, I think so. I think I would agree. Um, you know, it's it's he is very forward about making outrageous claims which is very interesting to me i've never been a too too much of a fan of the the outrageous claim however it does make sense where he's coming from and why he does it um the reasoning behind that gimmicky kind of like outlandish talk is to break through the noise and i get that i do um at the same time, I think it really needs to be balanced in a certain way where you have the ability to, to truly be honest in what you're presenting and providing and and not crossing that line into, you know, fictitious information or fictitious promises that aren't real. You know what I mean? So I think that there's a, there's a line there that, that needs to be treaded on lightly, but then again... You know, marketing and sales sometimes requires a little bit of dancing on the line. Um, you know, as both of us know, as anybody who's ever sold anything knows, sometimes you have to dance on the line. And it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not something that anyone necessarily enjoys doing, I don't think. I guess there's some people that might enjoy doing it. I don't. But, you know, I think that, you just have to really be conscious of the things that you say to make sure that you're dancing on the line and not blatantly stepping over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It it, it definitely is a fine line because last thing you want to do is is continue to mislead, whether it be accidental or not. I think there is, you know, a point to be, um, like you said, to a certain level of honesty and i think that's you definitely need that or else you won't be successful 
Um, and I think that kind of comes, I think he talked also about, you know, stop, stop selling. I think so aggressively, like you don't have to sell something like you can kind of tell them, um, think of yourself like an insider and you're kind of providing knowledge. So you're like educating someone on a product or the benefits, which is why whenever you talk about selling, people say, talk about the benefits, not the features. I think it kind of goes into that a little bit of, you know, be honest in what you're talking about. Trust your product. Like I said earlier, having the, the guarantee can definitely help. Um, but definitely don't try to mislead someone for the sake of a sale. So No doubt. No doubt. So final thoughts uh, for the week on influence. Really solid book. I think it was very valuable, easy to understand, easy to, to, to comprehend truly, like take in and, and utilize uh, and I think that it's a worthwhile read at a very short four hours, and I think only a couple hundred pages. So I'd give it a pair of thumbs up, and anyone that wants to learn a little bit about marketing or get a couple trade secrets or just look at selling and marketing things for sale in a different way, um, totally worthwhile. Ross, any, any closing thoughts? Same thing. I think the fact that it's broken down into, what, 46, 47 uh, things, it makes it easier because you can, of that list, you will find a few things that fit your very specific situation. So whatever you picked up the book to read for, you will probably find an answer to that in some form um, just because it is so broad, but under that umbrella of like, here's my 47 things. Um, but I thought it was very good. Like you said, very short. We talked about it earlier. A little hard that that he decided to narrate it, but all respect for doing it because I believe that most of these authors really should narrate their books. So I can't really knock him for it if that's something that I would rather everybody else do. He does have an accent, makes it a little harder, but hey, he wrote the book. If he wants to read it to you, let him read it to you. So um, all in all, I agree. Two thumbs up. Definitely recommend. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today on Market Today. My name is Moore Milo. And I'm Ross Inarelli. And we will see you guys next week. Take care.